Hey everybody, Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. I'm recording a special intro for this podcast because we actually recorded this back in February of 2020 in studio, pre-COVID, back when there was snow on the ground. We had a special guest on our episode, Michael Bardis, a residential realtor who's been at this a long time, and we had him on the show to share all of his tips and tricks that he does for his clients who are buying homes that have snow-covered roofs that basically can't be inspected. And he shared a lot of good info with us, but then before we had a chance to air this podcast, all the snow melted, and it never came back for the year. So we've just kind of kept this episode on ice this whole time, but now that snow has returned to Minnesota, it's a good time to share this. Now, some of the stuff in here isn't quite up to date. You know, we talk a little bit about the current market. That was the market as it was happening back in February, but who cares? The rest of the info on snow-covered roofs is still really good, and uh, well, we hope you enjoy it. The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. Supply usually goes down in the winter because people usually want to put their houses on the springtime when the snow melts. And in the olden days, that was kind of the rules. But because buyer demand is so high right now, I'm actually seeing more multiple offers happen in the winter than in the summer. Welcome, everybody, to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about buying houses in the winter. And we have a special guest with us, Michael Bardis, Realtor from the Minneapolis area. We're going to get Michael up and running here pretty quick. But on today's episode, what we want to talk about... What are the risks of buying real estate in the wintertime? We want to look through the lens of a realtor and we want to look through the lens of a home inspector and try to distill that out to see what the client kind of information the client gets from us as we're working through this yeah. process. And, and this was inspired by a question that we got during our live session. Someone said, hey, you know, I'm down in Tennessee. What do you guys do in Minnesota when roofs are snow covered? How do you even inspect them? And we said that that sounds like an episode all on its own. Mm-hmm. So that's good pod. That's good yeah. pod. So <laughs> let's bring Michael up here and have him introduce himself. And Michael, can you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do? Hello, I'm Michael Bartis, residential realtor with Lake Sotheby's International Realty. And I cover the Twin Cities area primarily and also Western Wisconsin. Gotcha. Great. How long have you been in the business? I've been a realtor for 15 years, but I grew up in a building and real estate family. So used to go to the all the different construction processes from digging a hole to putting the final nail in to having me clean up the houses during high school. So I'm very familiar with the entire building process, good and bad. So what percentage of real estate transactions do you think occur in what I'd consider the off season up here in Minnesota, any time after the 31st of October and before the snow has melted? What kind of percentage do you think goes down in that time of the year? Yeah, I would say about 20% of my business is during the slow time of the year, during the winter. We've had an anomaly kind of happen here in our local Twin Cities market over the last three years because of supply and demand. Supply usually goes down in the winter because people usually want to put their houses on the springtime when the snow melts. And in the olden days, that was kind of the rules. But because buyer demand is so high right now, I'm actually seeing more multiple offers happen in the winter than in the summer. Oh, wow. In our houses, are you pricing as aggressively as you would during the summer in the off-season? Yeah, pricing just as aggressively. And, and a lot of times when I look back at comps, I just 
sat down with a client today, the comps were actually higher during the winter months than they were in the summer months. Crazy. That's interesting. So it's very counterintuitive to what you would think. Yeah. Because a lot of people will ask me, Michael, when's the best time to sell my house? And I say, now is the best time. Huh. I like that. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I'm available this afternoon if you would like a competitive market analysis, right? So, okay, so you're sitting down with clients. They're looking to purchase a house. How do you talk to them about risk at this time of the year? What's your approach to dealing with the wintertime buyer? That's a great question. So wintertime buying is very different than the summer because in the winter you can't see everything. And the biggest thing that comes up is you can't see the roof, and that's a very large expense. And you also have different things going on in the attic with maybe ice damming or frosting up in the attic. And then you also can't see the yard. And I don't mm. tend to worry about the yard as much as I do the roof. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I know it, it, when it comes to home inspection companies and insurance claims, roofs are a big deal, right? So when it when it's covered, you have to you have to be like, we were unable to inspect that. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. And, and Michael, I, I mean, I wanted to have you on the show because before we did this show, I just called Michael and I said, hey, can you just give me some tips? What do you do to help mitigate risk for your clients during the wintertime when, when you know they're going to be buying a house that's snow covered? How do you mitigate that risk? And Michael had all these things he started listing out for me. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? No, I'm not going to try to repeat this. You got to share this on the show because this is, this is gold. This is really good information. So Michael, can you kind of share with us what your process is? What do you do? for your clients? Well, first of all, I always have them or try to have them use structure tech first and foremost to <laughs> conduct a home inspection. So little plug for you guys. But a lot of times your inspectors can't go up on the roof. Obviously with snow up there, it's very dangerous. And so the roof is a wild card at a question mark. And so what we have to do is we have to lean a little more heavily on some items outside the actual inspection. And where I first start would be looking at the seller's property disclosures. And most of the homes in Minnesota, the seller will fill out a form, you know, how old is your roof? Have you had it replaced? Have you had any insurance claims? So I kind of start there as a basis. And if it looks like it might be an area that maybe had hail damage recently, and I, I generally know where those areas are, I'll actually have my client contact their insurance company because if they're going to buy this home, they're going to have to get homeowner's insurance. And the insurance industry has like a central database that they're able to go in and see if there's any current or past insurance claims that are maybe open or closed, but we can at least look there, see if there's anything that's going on with the roof. Hmm. I'll also look at the city permits to see if any permits have been pulled. And then who actually did the work? I've had cases where it was disclosed that the roof was new, but they had a couple buddies and a couple cans of beer, and they did their own roof repair themselves. And so I learned the hard way when the shingles started coming off Mm -hmm. that roof two or three years later that you really need to do more research on a roof, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the winter. Okay. So, and have you ever been burned where it's like you got the information that the roof was new, you proceeded with the purchase, your clients bought the house, and then shingles started blowing off. And what, what happens? They come back and they call you the realtor and they're like, hey, Michael, it's three years later and I got shingles blowing off and it's your fault. D- does that happen? You know, in this case, I mean, I did have a you know really great relationship with the client and they were aware of the risk of buying in the winter. And so, you know, we were able to have a, a reasonable discussion about it. You know, fortunately for her, she was able to just get some of the shingles uh, replaced and nailed so she didn't have to do an entirely new roof. And, you know, luckily in this 
kind of hot real estate market, buyers are buying homes even though they're aware that the roof might be bad. That people want houses bad enough, they're, they're willing to sign up for even a bad roof. It's kind of the situation when we bought ours 20 years ago, the ceiling was falling down and we're just, we had to take some risk. I mean, mm-hmm. we, it was as is, we are not doing anything and whatever you get yeah. is what you get. I mean, like, fine. And it was terrifying, but it was the best decision we've ever made, right? Like we got great neighbors and we got a great property and so on and so forth. So there's other mitigating factors that where you can look beyond some of these potential problems. Is there anything else you want to share with us that you have conversations about with your clients when it comes to wintertime buying? Yeah, so we talked briefly, you know, about the covered surfaces of a home. So the the roof would be one. Then you also have the yard. And I find a lot of people want to have a fence to go up uh, after they buy the home. And a good idea to to do that is to actually get a survey and, and put a contingency in your offer that it's contingent upon the survey just so you know what the true property lines are so that when you do decide to put up a fence, you don't have any issues when you go to do that when the snow melts. I feel like this is one of those exercises where something always comes up when you have a survey, right? Like are are houses pretty much all on the lot that they're supposed to be on or do you find lots of fun things? I find most lot lines are pretty close to what people say. And, And for some reason in Minnesota, we generally play nice with our neighbors and we just share each other's yards. I mean, when I grew up as a kid in the Twin Cities, we used to play football and we span three or four yards and no one had fences and that's just kind of what you did and that's kind of a minnesota thing in other markets like san francisco or new york everyone's kind of land grabbing and so every house seems to have a fence so i i think in minnesota we're really unique in that surveys aren't normally part of the buying process it's not really part of the even the title process they'll do a visual survey but they won't really do stakes in the ground and and do do a true survey where you really truly know where the property boundaries are and that's really unique to minnesota so if if you're gonna buy during the winter getting a survey is also not a bad idea especially if you plan to put up a fence uh, when the snow melts great what does it cost for a typical survey Surveys cost about 500 to $750, and it really depends on how busy they are. It's kind of a supply and demand thing, so sometimes you'll see people getting away with a little more charging than other times of the year, but we've found people to be around that 500 to 750 range. How long does it take to get the results back? It takes about a week, usually, okay. to get, oh, get them back. Too bad. Michael, you know, you've been doing this for 15 years, and, and you really know what you're doing, and you're savvy, and you've got all these great tips for how you handle these challenging situations, especially for people buying houses in the winter. How do new agents learn this information? Because, you know, not all agents know that. Like, is there some sort of training process, or, you know, is there any way to... To, to know when you're looking for a real estate agent, like, you know. Oh, Tessa, that, that is so good because I feel like it, this is so much like home inspections. Yeah, you can go how do you find a, a good real estate agent process, like you? But yeah. until you've really screwed a lot of different things up <laughs> and you've learned from a lot of mistakes and you've changed your process, how do, how do you do all this? Yeah. yeah. How, how do you know yeah. what you know, Michael? Well, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. I think it's a lot like the inspection business. You know, you, you make some mistakes along the way. And unfortunately, sometimes it costs you money out of your own pocket to learn the, the hard way. And so if I'm looking out for my client's best interest, which is what I'm supposed to be as a, a fiduciary, I mean, that's what we are once we go under contract with our clients, fiduciary and agent, meaning working on your behalf. So I am your eyes and ears. And there's a lot of things that people don't know uh, when they're buying a home. 
the realtor is supposed to know all this stuff. And it's the realtor's job to let the buyers know what they don't know. And I, I find a lot of the newer agents don't know a lot of this stuff. And I'm always happy to share my knowledge and information with other agents when they're on the other side of the fence. When some of these you know bad things pop up, you know we're we're all in it to get a house sold, right? We're you know if I'm a buyer's agent, I want my client to get the home. The listing agent wants their client to get their home sold, and so we're all trying to work together as a team, and hopefully we can kind of work through it together. And I always try to help the other agent out if I can, if I see or hear that they don't kind of know what they're doing, I, I might actually just go out and give them some tips and tricks. If they're open to that, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. sometimes they're not. There's a lot of ego in our industry and, you know, some people are open to constructive feedback or criticism. You know, I was new at one point too, you know, and I've had some agents along the way tell me, hey, you know, that's not how we do it. Hmm. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, grow up in a building family. So I think that makes me really unique that I have that background, but I really mm-hmm. wish every realtor had the background that I have because it makes my job a lot easier. Oh, I really yeah. don't know how agents do it without the knowledge that I have. Is your family still in the construction business? or? So my dad passed away about seven years ago, so kind of my mission in life is to kind of honor my dad by being the best realtor I can be. So that's kind of how I deal with grieving of losing my dad. My uncle Pat Bartis, he still does millwork and kitchen cabinets and trim work in the luxury Twin Cities real estate marketplace. So he's still in the industry. But other than that, no, it's I'm kind of the last Mohican. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you very much for your time. It was, uh, it was some good wisdom you shared with us. Ruben, let's dive into this from the home inspection side. How does our process change when it comes to a wintertime inspection? If the roof is snow covered, I mean, we got to write it off. We cannot inspect the roof, but it doesn't mean that we don't give it our best effort. We still do everything we can. And I, I say this because I have found a lot of homes where the roofs were completely toast and they were snow covered and I was still able to figure it out. And if I had just stayed on the ground and I said, it's snow covered, there's nothing I can do, then I would have missed a roof that was completely toast. Um, You know, my trick is I'll leave my ladder up against the roof where I'll find a a south facing side of the roof where it gets a little bit more sun and I'll get up there and I'll brush a bunch of snow off and just look at a little area. And it's always gonna be the worst area. It's, It's always gonna be the south side that I'm trying to get at. And if those shingles are all curled up and nasty and the granules are all gone, I can say, look, you got some serious issues with this roof. You're probably gonna need replacement. Something I couldn't say otherwise. Now, if I get up there and brush off some snow and it all looks fine i'm gonna say i can't see the roof it's snow covered Mm -hmm. it's not me blessing the other 99 percent of it that's important to delineate there yeah 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 i'm not saying your roof is good i'm just saying it's snow covered and i can't see it but i can find a bunch of issues doing it this way Mm -hmm. so why are you focusing in on the south side well, that's what gets the most exposure to the sun. You're going to get the most extreme temperature variations. And that's always what fails first is the south side. Gotcha. Okay. So what are the other processes that, that we uh, incorporate in the wintertime that might be a little different than the summer? You know, in the wintertime, we can't test your AC. So if you've got, you know, central air AC, we can't turn that on. We can't run it. We can't verify it's working properly. So that's all we can do. We can look at the age of the unit. We can look at the condition of it. Look at the installation. The installation of everything. Condensate drain line. Exactly. Make sure it's properly installed. Visually inspect what we can see. Yeah. The the one thing we can't do is turn Turn it on on. and make sure it's working. There are so many 
issues that could go wrong with an AC. Yeah. I mean, obviously running it is the best case scenario, but there's a fairly small window when these things are running at peak performance in the state of Minnesota, right? <laughs> yeah. There is. And I remember I had one inspection a while ago where, you know, it was summertime. We went through the whole process, tested the AC, and then the seller called me like two days later and she's like, my AC isn't working. You broke it. And I mean, things happen. Things break. It luckily, it didn't break while I was there. It broke two, two days later, but it was working fine when I was there. So things can go out, you know, anytime. Well, I, I think it's kind of a rule that if it breaks within like seven years of us having been at the house. It's our fault. We broke it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what other processes have to be adjusted? That's Those are two big mm-hmm. repair items if they're not working. And I'd say another one is just the overall assessment from the exterior of grading and drainage around the property. So one thing we do is, you know, when we first get to the properties, we'll take a walk around the outside and kind of just get a perspective view of everything and looking at roof lines, thinking about where the water goes, looking at the grading, the dirt around the house. Is it sloping away or sloping towards the house? When we have a lot of snow on the ground, you just can't see that. Sure. Michael did bring up the attic and he mentioned about frosting the attic. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tessa, you're, you know, this is your world. What time of the year is the best time of the year to actually be up in an attic and looking for issues? Well, the best time to kind of diagnose problems like that, I would say is winter. It, It usually, you can use snow or frost on the roof and look for melt spots to see where you're losing heat. And that's kind of like a roadmap to knowing where you've got these attic bypasses that are leaking. Different styles of houses have different weak spots. So you kind of, after you've been in a lot of these houses, you start to know these, you know, depending on the age and the style where these weak spots are, and they're just amplified by that snow and frost melt. But you can go in an attic any time of year. And if you kind of know what you're looking for, you can diagnose those problems in the summer too. You won't see an ice dam. You won't see frost in the attic, but you might see dark staining or some mold-like organic growth on the underside of the roof decking. And you might be able to pull the insulation back around a chimney and see an a-, a big attic bypass. And so you can verify those things even without snow or frost, but you just have to know. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the one thing I like about doing it in the winter is that when you're there in the summer, I mean, if you see rusted nail tips and signs of previous condensation, what if they just fixed everything that was causing that three months ago mm-hmm. and they had their attic re-insulated? I mean, you don't know that. All you can say is that there's signs of previous yeah. previous problems. But when I'm up there in the winter and it's negative 10 outside and everything's covered in frost, I'm not guessing. Yeah, it's I'm a not current saying you might problem. Have an issue. I'm it's saying, a current problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like the confidence there and just yeah. being able to know this is what's going on. Yeah, that's true. So my ideal attic is going to be it's below zero outside when I get up in that attic. And mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier to find yeah. attic bypasses with your infrared it camera. It does. I didn't even mention that, but yes. Amen. Yeah, yeah I, I love attics. Yeah. The colder, the better. Not only yeah. that, but I'm more comfortable when it's really cold. It's I mean, great being in an attic that's not 120 degrees. Yes, <laughs> yes. So there are some offsetting factors here. At least, you know, people get really freaked out when they have water leaking out of can lights in their house. And if we can discover these kinds of things in the wintertime and tip them off, mm-hmm. there's a really good chance if it's 20 below one night and two days later it's mm-hmm. 30 above, those quick turnarounds you'll have that kind of stuff happen. And that's when the phone lights up and people are like, why is there water leaking through my ceiling? Mm -hmm. Is my roof leaking? Mm -hmm. No, your roof's not (laughs) leaking. You have condensation that has begun to melt. Mm -hmm. Or you have frost that has turned into water and now it's running Mm -hmm. out of your lights. Yeah, you got a building science issue. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of those and it it tends to be in 
like new construction where people get really, really upset about that. Like, you know, they buy a new house, they expect that because it's new, that they aren't going to have any problems with it. And so when they do have that water leaking out of their lights in their ceiling or down their wall, then they just get really whipped up about it. So otherwise processes are similar. We're moving through the home inspection at the same mm-hmm. pace. We're looking at the same items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, and it just takes a lot longer because in mm-hmm. the winter, it's just, you got to get all bundled up. You got to get gloves and boots and it's just slow walking around. Everything takes us a lot more time. I mean, but the good news is we don't charge anymore during the winter. I know. We, we still charge, charge the same, same. price. <laughs> we don't charge extra for really hot or really cold days. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. That's a bunch of great information. And so you can feel confident buying a house in the wintertime. I'd do it. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd do it too. You I just can't too. feel confident about the condition of the roof covering yeah. or the AC. I mean, yeah. th- those are going to have to be unknowns most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Life is risky. so let's just keep it at that thank you everybody for listening this is structure talk a structure tech presentation and we'll catch up with you next time for more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell contact us at structuretech.com 